we don't see like many brown filmmakers or like many brown media executives it's usually white or black and you know indians tend to stick towards uh, either medicine or engineering or it so those were again like you know this preconceived notions that you know an indian is only good in like finance or medicine or it and to think of them as creative individuals was a far fetched idea uh, luckily i had a co-founder and he helped me set up everything and languages do you speak? One, two, four? I know how to teach you how to speak four languages. Now I know you're probably thinking, what languages can she teach me? Maybe English, Spanish. I think Japanese is really cool. Mandarin. But no, these languages that I want to teach you are languages that are going to make you effective in your business and marketing, even in how you lead and support the people that you're around. It'll help you have effective relationships and realize how to really motivate and inspire people and talk to them in a way to get them excited. I want you to schedule a consultation with me at info at AishaThomas.org if you're a leader of a team, if you have a team that is having issues with conflict, if you're an individual just trying to take your business to the next level or your relationships to the next level. You need this tool because it's going to be so effective that you're going to see the transformation that happens around you. So schedule a consultation with me at info at AishaThomas.org or go to AishaThomas.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on that link for individual consultation. And let's get started on transforming your communication, collaboration, and reducing the conflict that you might face. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Internal Fire. I'm really excited about having different people on the podcast so you can kind of hear different perspectives. And today, I'm really excited about this guest because we have a similarity. We're both immigrants. We both come from different countries. We came to the U.S., had to make adjustments, and we are also leaders. So a lot of our conversation was talking about the adjustments, talking about the biases that we saw and how even us coming from different spaces have embraced diversity, inclusion, equity, and how we are ensuring that that is something that we practice. Because again, our perspective is so different. A lot of times people see you from the external aspect, but they don't know internally what the full story is. So I'm excited. You guys get your notepads and let's get into this message as I have this amazing guest on today's episode. What's up, guys? Thank you for joining me on another episode. I'm really excited. I have a special guest. Like I said, I've been talking about diversity and inclusion and bringing people from different backgrounds in. And I really want to make sure that I'm talking to real people who give different perspectives because we're learning. We're learning as leaders. We're hearing from other people so we can expand our minds and we can get out of those spaces where we have these unconscious bias about people because we just don't know or we've only learned from them from TV. So I'm really excited. I have Alok here. Um, he is going to give us a great perspective. Um, he's a creative director. I've um, been in the media industry for four years now, and he's a creative 
uh, director of a media company. Um, he provides that creative pulse for the company, um, ensuring that the vision behind each media property is developed and is consistent and relatable for the com consumer. So I'm really excited to have you here today. And like I said, I really wanted to just talk from about people from, or two people from different backgrounds to kind of talk about diversity and inclusion and equity from a different experience or different, um, you know, experience and uh, viewpoint. So one of the things that we talked about before we got started is the fact that we're both immigrants. So we actually are coming from a different perspectives because, you know, in our country, we're used to seeing our people and connecting with our people, but now we're going to a new nation, a new land, and now we're seeing diversity from another perspective. So talk about that. Talk about how you migrated from the U.S. and what was your experience like as an immigrant coming to a new country? Like, what was your experience? Do you feel that when it comes to diversity and inclusion and equity, do you feel like you struggled in that transition and what did that look like for you right uh yes uh first of all thank you so much Aisha for having having me on your podcast it's great honor for me to be speaking about these things and uh right so getting into your question uh yes so I was my name is Alok and I was born and raised in India and I moved to the U.S. in 2016 uh I was enrolled at Harvard University to take uh uh, courses in innovation and entrepreneurship and after moving to the U.S. Uh, I kind of for the first time became conscious of my skin color because having born and raised in India uh, I'm brown people around me are brown so there was never like a distinction in terms of color that was ever made and that didn't have any impact on uh, uh, the kind of opportunities that are presented to you uh, it's only when I got to the U.S. I realized that okay you know uh, it's not the same for everyone. Like minorities have different kinds of challenges than other people in this country. And uh, getting into an, into an organization like Harvard University, which is progressive and supportive of everyone's efforts to, to a large extent, I kind of was placed into this classroom where I had people, you know, coming in from like Germany and Australia and uh, Southeast Asia, uh, South America, and then I was part of the study group. So you kind of are exposed to these different points of view that these people carry, which is shaped uniquely by their circumstances and their background and their culture and the languages they speak. And as I said, because, you know, there's like the whole spectrum of colors within, within one study group, you become conscious of the fact that, yes, this is my skin color. And uh, it kind of also is reminded in the kind of perspective that people share. So you know, the moment people realize I'm from India, they ask me questions like, oh, are there like cows running around everywhere in India? Or like, you know, uh, is it the same as we saw in Slumdog Millionaire? Is it like poverty widespread? Uh, so I kind of became aware of like how my background or my country is perceived. Uh, sometimes it is, you know, only exposed to what you see in media and sometimes it's only to like what you hear from people. Uh, and that's a very biased kind of perspective. Uh, but I became aware that, okay, I'm sitting in this class, people have these different perspectives, and collectively it leads to better results than just one person looking at the problem from a single point of view. And that is what was valuable for me. I, I just realized that, you know, people have unique perspectives on things. And once you create uh, an environment for people to share that, then good ideas emerge out of that. And that was kind of like my first brush with the idea of like what the diversity and inclusion is 
uh, while at the same time confronting the idea that, oh, I am drowned in these people's eyes, which means they have certain notions about me, which might or might not be true. Yeah, and I love that you highlight that because, of course, like we, like I was saying, like media and um, other pockets of how people get educated kind of tell the stories that aren't necessarily as accurate. So I remember being asked those questions like, did you live in a hut? And did you see like animals? And it's like, no, I lived in a house. And really? You lived in a house? And one of the awakening moments I had is, of course, you know, they used to always have these videos or these uh, initiatives that will come on TV where it'll say, feed a hungry child in Africa. And you will see these kids that were sick. They looked a certain way. And these were the depictions of people in my country. And it was kind of shocking to me because I didn't see my country from that perspective. I mean, I, my, my father had a Mercedes Benz and I'm not bragging, but my mother was an entrepreneur. Like it was just a totally different experience that I had. So seeing how America depicted us, it was kind of like surprising to me. So how did it make you feel to, you know, hear those questions and see those depictions? Like, what was that um, effect to you? And were you like, like, uh, for me, um, I love the fact that you still have your accent and I can still like hear the culture in your voice. But for me, I got so Americanized and maybe, I don't know if it's maybe because I came to the U.S. at such a young age, but I thought I had to be so much more American to fit in. So because there wasn't that openness to be diverse and people didn't understand that and kids didn't understand that, I changed who I was, disconnected from my culture to be more American, to fit in. And even my name is pronounced Aisha. I allowed people to call me Aisha. Like I just literally changed who I was because psychologically I'm like, man, and they don't accept me, so I need to fit in here. I need to fit into this space, so let me change who I was. So did you ever wrestle with that? Like, how did it make you feel going through that experience? Right, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, first when I got to the U.S., I felt that, you know, to have my ideas a particular level of acceptance, I need to develop the accent and speak like the way Americans do and, you know, do things like the way Americans do to just kind of fit in and make them feel that I'm not an outsider, I'm just like you. Uh, but I mean, I think that was a very narrow perspective I had back in the day. And of course, I can, you know, speak the way Americans speak. I mean, I can speak in an American accent, but I just try to keep it neutral as much as possible because I've found that a lot of my friends, uh, you know, are from different parts of the world and they have their own accent. So if I just sound like make myself sound like a typical American word then they would miss a lot of references and points so I just try to you know make it <clears throat> sorry as simple as possible uh, but I did struggle with that idea and you know uh, there's this funny thing that I do right now uh, which is when I go to Starbucks and I tell them my name and of course you know uh, Starbucks being Starbucks they keep butchering my name so for, for some time I switched my name to Alex and you know that would be just like an easy way for them to know that, oh, okay, this guy's name is Alex and they would almost never get my name wrong. And it was not with the intent of like sounding or looking more American. It was just kind of like, you know, to ease the process because they were like really screwing up my name. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, that you are reminded of like, you know, your skin color and your perspective and the notion from which these people are operating. And so, you know, sometimes I would come across people, uh, particularly in Midwest, they would be surprised that, oh, you are an Indian, but you speak English so well. And, 
we didn't think that you know we could speak English so well. And I would have to then remind them that English is one of the uh, officially recognized languages of India. So I had to like battle through like a lot of these motions. Uh, and fortunately, uh, you know, given that there is like a scene grading policy for everybody at a university, I was able to, you know, come forward and share my ideas, which, you know, the professors appreciated and that reflected in my grades. But yeah, for the first few months that I was here, I was, I, it felt a bit disorienting because you don't know what's your place in this culture, how people are perceiving you. Because once you become aware of like, oh, you are seen differently, you don't know what is the magnitude of that. Like to what extent they are not able to connect with you or relate with you and to what extent you need to fit with them. But I've just found that, you know, it's easier to just let go and have people question that why is it that you are doing things a certain way and then engage in a conversation rather than enforcing that from the get-go and saying that, hey, because I'm an Indian and this is my background and this is my value, this is why I'm doing these things, which might seem like a lot for these people to handle. Um, so, yeah, I think it certainly was challenging and it did affect uh, my identity in terms of like, okay, now I'm in this new country. Do I just assume a new personality or just stay true to who I am? Uh, and I felt that media kind of then became this outlet where I felt that I can express my ideas and still be myself and yet connect with a lot of people, um, you know, through like short films or documentaries or podcasts. And that's also an excellent opportunity for me to uh, educate people that, hey, you know, uh, the perception of like who we are as people might be different uh, in your mind. And this is a platform to which we are doing this. And so... In, in closing, I would say that there's this podcast that I created called Millennial Things, where there's me, a German friend, and a Chinese friend. Uh, we are all talking about a particular topic each uh, week. So, for example, one week it would be food. Next week it would be education. The week after that would be entrepreneurship. And we are just sharing about like our background, our understanding, our uh, understanding of these topics. And that is what like you know, I felt is a good way to show that we have these ideas because we are conditioned or like we come from a certain background and that related with a lot of people. They said that, okay, now it puts a lot of things into perspective and we are glad that it kind of like, you know, was a cool concept where we got like three different cultures sharing their ideas. That's beautiful. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love the fact that you guys have come together to do that because, um, I mean, of course, because you're in media, it does give you that avenue to educate people and thank God for social media and all these platforms that's allowing people to have a peek into the real lives. Because again, unfortunately, when it comes to media, we already realize it's one, sh one like one-sided. Um, when it comes to certain industry, we already know that when it comes to diversity and inclusion, it you'll have people who might be Caucasian that are playing roles of people from other cultures and you're like wait this is supposed to be like in the Middle East and everybody on this movie is Caucasian like how is that possible so I think it, it, we are blessed in this season to really um, be able to have access to platforms to do that. So I love that you guys have a platform to share those different perspectives and educate people. Now let's flip it a little bit. What was your 
so from being so from coming from another country what was your perspective of other cultures like americans or people from other cultures because even for me like i didn't really understand the differences of black americans like i have a lot of black americans that say like you know they've been hearing about slavery and civil rights since they 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 come from the us but for me that wasn't in our language in our culture because you know i come from i lived in africa like everybody looked like me we didn't talk about slavery and civil rights we didn't have to deal with that because that's that's we didn't have that issue but coming here i'm understanding the black american experience was so different so i'm learning things um even in my culture there were certain or from my country there were certain viewpoints that um, my people from my country had about the u.s and how people were so even from you coming here and seeing that okay i'm different i'm brown what was it that you started to identify or had to learn about maybe things that you didn't understand about other cultures and people from different backgrounds so you can expand your mind and your thinking in the space of diversity. Right. So, I mean, uh, of course, my only point of reference before coming to the U.S. was uh, Hollywood or like the movies and the way they portray these characters. And I had a very narrow perspective of what the America is in the sense that uh, I thought there are only, you know, three kinds of people. It's like black, brown, and white. Like, I didn't know there's like a whole, like, you know, other category of people out there and that they also live in the U.S. But I just, like, in movies, you only, like, you know, by and large, see these characters, much, like, Indians to much lesser extent, of course, uh, but predominantly white and black people. And so I just thought that, okay, if I want to become friends with black people, I'll, uh, you know, uh, talk about music and hip hop and all of those things with them. And if I want to connect with white people, I talk about like, you know, rock music and skateboarding and all of those things. Uh, so that was my perception uh, before coming to the US. But when I got here, I realized that, okay, there's like, you know, so many different kinds of people who are here from different parts of the world. And that is like, you know, a bit, it was a bit surprising for me that, okay, it's not only these three kinds of people that are in the U.S., they are like people from all parts of the world in the U.S. And so it was initially a bit difficult to keep up because, again, uh, for example, I became friends with a lot of German guys. And German guys, when they're working, they're very, very serious. But when they're partying, they're very, very, like, you know, crazy. So <laughs> it's like these two extremes that you get to see in like one person in one day. And you start to question, like, are you the same guy that I saw you in the class who was like super focused and doing what you are doing, but now you are like jumping on tables and drinking beer and singing songs in German. So, and that was like, you know, like I had to understand that for like all different cultures. Uh, so be it like German people or Chinese people or Japanese people. So it was, it was like a lot to take in initially. And I might have like unintentionally offended some people not knowing their background or the culture. Uh, and so yeah, it was a it was a huge learning curve. Like, you know, only now I guess I feel that I'm a bit more comfortable with certain types of people that I know their culture and their background and their mindset that I can connect with them. But yeah, that was that was my uh, kind of understanding. But it's so much more than that, right? Like, you know, black culture is so much more than just hip hop and music. And of course, white culture is more than just rock music or like, you know, like other things that white people do. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's, it certainly was like, you know, a huge learning experience. You know, there's this funny thing that happened with me and I'll never forget because this was my like first dining experience in New York. Uh, 
So I, I landed in New York City. I went to like, you know, carrying all my luggage. I went to a, a restaurant and I just ordered like, you know, uh, I was really hungry. So I asked the guy like, hey, can you get me a large pizza, a burger, an omelet and a little bit of fries? And he was looking at me as like, how many wow, people are Wow, that's a lot of food. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, how many people are joining you? I'm like, nah, it's just me. I'm hungry. And he still made sure that I'm like ordering all of this stuff. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll get you. And I was blown away by the portion sizes because I'm like, wait, is that a pizza? Because that can feed like an entire family in India for two days. Yeah. So So the portions. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, of course, when you see pizzas in movies, you don't see like the relative sizes, right? You just feel like, oh, this is pizza. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But when I got here, I realized, oh, like the portion sizes are so small in India, okay, that India's like a large pizza in India at something like uh, uh, Domino's or Pizza Hut would be something that is like a little bit above small size over here. Uh, so portion sizes were huge. And of course, you know, the omelet came with, with its own fries and I ordered extra fries. And then burger came with like its own, own salad and like other sides. So there was so much food <laughs> that it, it, it went on for like, three or four days and like my roommates <laughs> like my friends we all had it for like four days and they were happy like oh hey you got us food um so it was that and i had like a lot of experiences like that so i get confused when i have to choose between like what is the difference between one percent milk two percent milk whole milk half and half fat free whatever uh that, that's too many choices in india you only have like slim milk which is like fat free milk and you have like whole milk there is no in between and the same same thing, I guess, with, uh, you know, the ice cream flavors or like, you know, uh, soap flavors and things like that. So it's just like too much, too much variation. Uh, you get here, a lot of choices. In India, life is simple. You, they're like, these are the three options, pick one. Um, so it's that. So, yeah. So culturally, it was a lot of uh, learning that was required on my end. Uh, but I was happy because it, it's also an opportunity to engage in a discussion and share a bit of my culture where I can share the good sides of it, of like, you know, what the cultural values are or like, you know, how uh, we look at the world and why Indians are welcoming and we believe in hospitality and all of those things. Um, so, yeah, over the years, things have gotten much easier and much better, I would say. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the other half of this message. That'll be back to you in one second. Have you checked out my new YouTube series, You Need Leadership Development? If you haven't, go check it out. Click the link in the show notes because this is really walking you through why you need to grow personally and professionally as a leader because we're not just leading in the workspace. We're also leading ourselves. We're also leading in our households. So make sure you guys check that out and get the tools and the strategies you need to be an effective leader 360. Again, find that information in the show notes and get plugged in to how to take your leadership to another level. Awesome. So how long have you been in the U.S.? Like one, like how long would you, how many years has it been? It's been four years, a little bit over four years. 
So uh, how do you feel for like, um, you know, maybe younger kids who come? Um, do you feel like their experience, because of course you came, you were a lot more mature um, and, and you're experiencing, you can see things at the lens of, you know, from more from a mature adult level. So how do you feel about, you know, young people who come that's coming from your country or other countries? Do you think their their struggle is a little bit more or have you seen that from, you know, people within your family or within your community where younger kids who come to the U.S., they might struggle more than if you were to come when you are a lot older? Right. Yeah. So uh, my dad's best friend actually moved here in 2007 or 2008. So almost like 12, 13 years back. And he moved in with his family when his kids were really young. And uh, he had, of course, because, you know, he moved in with the family. So, you know, he had his own challenges to like surviving an entire family and not just himself. Um, And at the same time, you know, trying to figure out the education for his kids. And his kids now speak English properly with American accent. But when I met them, they said that when we first got here, language was a huge barrier because they spoke in their native language, which is Gujarati, which is also my native language at home and at school. So English was not like a huge part of, you know, uh, their conversation. And now you are in a country where, you know, it's pretty much like either English or Spanish, right? And so they had to like, you know, hire a separate tutor and like really understand that, you know, school system is very different in the U.S. than India. I remember he telling me that (laughs) uh, he was surprised to discover that, you know, students are allotted lockers in high school because there are no, there's no concept of lockers in India. Like, you know, you go to school, the entire schooling experience is without lockers. You carry your own backpack, you go home and like there are no school lunches. Yeah, you carry your own lunch. Like, there's no school lunches. So, like, your your mom or your dad will, like, cook you some breakfast that you can have in school. Uh, so, it was a lot for him to kind of figure out that, okay, you know, there's school lunches and then there's lockers and then, you know, there are different things that people do. And, you know, there's an athletics team and uh, there is, like, you know, creative arts teams. And there, was, there were, like, so many things that, again, you know, he had to adjust to. And so I guess like language would be, I think, the biggest barrier. And then the other thing would be like to adjust to the culture and, you know, uh, just having a proper flow of communication. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so true, because even like I said, coming here as a young, you know, like nine, 10 years old, I remember going to school and I was in a higher grade because, again, education was just different back home. And, you know, they ended up moving me back a couple grades because they're like, okay, you have to adjust to American culture and the language, um, which I didn't understand, but I understand now because, again, the, the way they do education is different. My father had an accountant degree back home in Africa, but when he came here, it didn't apply. So there's so many differences and transitions you have to make in order for you to really, I guess, make it or adjust to a new lifestyle in a new place. So in regards to the workplace, so once you started getting into the workplace and getting into the industry um, that you're in, like what kind of barriers did you run into? Did you run into a lot of barriers and people just not having an understanding of diversity or even um, how does it make you feel where you don't see enough brown people or people that are from India and have are just from different cultures, not in these executive roles, not in these decision-making roles where you might see more or say this more white male it's just not 
it's not really diverse. How does that make you feel? And um, what was your experience just kind of navigating the workplace out of college now that you are going into these spaces and you're looking for employment and you're working for people? Right. So, yeah, I think right off the bat, I kind of uh, figured out that, okay, I'll have a lot of explaining to do in the sense that I already had had a little bit of uh, work experience before I came to the U.S. And so to offer a perspective to them that why it's an important position that I held in that company or in that role uh, was something that they would struggle to understand. So my first job in India uh, was with JP Morgan in investment banking, like right out of college, uh, which is what people understand here. They know like, okay, JP Morgan is a banking institution. But then when I took up roles with my family business, which is a smaller, more local business, uh, and for like, you know, me to handle two departments, they were like, people would look at my resume and think that, how can you handle two departments? And I'm like, it's a family business. It's not a mid mid size or like, you know, a big corporation where it's like too much to handle two departments. This is where like, I have three guys for one department and four guys for another. And I just have to pretty much give them the direction and they go and execute, which is not much. I mean, of course, it's, it's stressful because you have to constantly be on top of things. But I mean, you yourself have to don't like, you know, put in those, uh, you know, execution hat and like work with these people. It's more like, you know, the chain of command was already laid out. Uh, and so it was, it was difficult for them to understand. So that was one aspect that I struggled with where people would just not get that, okay, one person could handle two departments. Uh, the other thing was that when I, I had already begun working in performing, performing arts industry a little bit. So my cousin and I had this little theater group where we would do, uh, this theater shows every few weekends, like once a month, we would develop a concept very quickly in two weeks, rehearse for one week, then put on a show on fourth week. And, uh, that was something again, that they felt was a bit out of my skill set because they felt that you studied business and you worked in finance, which is what you handled with your family business. So why that shift towards media? Like what was about that that made you, you know, shift or like put your efforts towards that? And I said that, you know, it was something that I just wanted to explore. I was just curious that, you know, how can you put together a show on stage for people and just create something funny and entertaining for them? And it was not, a very difficult process, honestly, because I was also trained to become a dancer while I was getting my undergrad degree. So I knew like, you know, how stage works, how setting up a show works, what kind of elements are required. So I already had kind of an exposure to that. Now, rather than just performing, I was also organizing. It. So these were the things that I kind of struggled with a little bit to give them an idea that, you know, working in a family business is a natural step for a lot of Indian guys because they are already born into a family where the business was already there. So the parents naturally expect you to spend some time, even if that's not your end career. And for me, it was an organic choice because I felt that, you know, um, I was working with JP Morgan. I got the skill set, got the exposure. Now I can apply it towards a smaller business and help it grow very quickly. Uh, and I can also assume more responsibility. So that was one thing. But even after like, you know, finishing my education at Harvard here and then like, you know, starting my own company, people were a bit skeptical. They were a bit, uh, uh, they were a bit confused that, okay, we don't see like many brown filmmakers 
or like many brown media executives is usually white or black and you know indians tend to stick towards um, either medicine or engineering or it so those were again like you know this preconceived notions that you know an indian is only good in like finance or medicine or it and to think of them as creative individuals was a far fetched idea luckily i had a co-founder and he helped me set up everything and we now have a big team uh, and i i was very conscious of the challenges i faced so i made sure that the people that i am hiring do not face them so right now uh, even if you look at just the interns we have seven interns from two different countries which is india and us five of them are women and out of five i think yeah out of five four of them are women of color and uh, it, it's not like you know that i consciously went out of my way to reject white people and have these people in naturally i just felt both me and my co-founder that these people possess the skill set um, to do really well in the roles that we have defined for them and so i mean it's only about like giving that one opportunity in what people are interested in and you can really help them excel in that career once you open those doors and so i was very conscious that the day i will start my own organization it will become a go to place for a lot of people to express their ideas and opinions which otherwise they would not have the opportunity to do so wow that's amazing and i love that you know you're like listen i selected this group of individuals just based off of the skills and the knowledge um and i, I love that you've implemented that and and taken the lessons that you've learned in this process to say, I don't want them to go through what I went through. So let's talk about that, you know, before we close, let's talk about what are some things that you can give um, people that are listening out there that are saying, okay, what can I do to be better? What kind of things that you can, you know, provide them as some takeaways that they can say, okay, let me maybe start making some shifts in my thinking or how I, my hiring practices and how I make sure I really embrace this mindset of being more inclusive and giving people more seats at the table. Because again, there are a lot of places that are diverse, you have the faces, but when you, when it comes to resources, opportunities, that's where you start seeing a shift. Like you'll see only diversity at this first level, but as you move up, you don't see it. So what are some things that you can give to people out there that are struggling or really want to be more diverse? What are some things that they can do for migrants as well as just having diverse uh, faces at their organizations or in their businesses? Right. Uh, so that's a great question. And, you know, couple of months back i actually wrote an article about like how newsrooms do not provide enough opportunities uh, to reporters and editors to really tell the stories uh, about themselves so like you would see that you know newsrooms were created as uh, an industry that was only meant to be for white people and black people were not seen to be as fit for doing the executive roles or reporting roles um, and even now it's more like you know a checklist for them that you just need to have few black people to brown people just to say that okay yeah we have diversity you see all these people uh, but the idea is to give them enough agency to tell the stories that they really want to tell uh, and so i guess that's my first point that you know if you have hired people or if you are you know in in charge of a team under an organization give people the opportunities to express their ideas don't cage them within the traditional structures or don't tell them that okay this is how things are usually done give them a space to express their ideas give them ownership of the things that they are doing and you would be surprised by how many more creative things uh, will come out of it 
and uh, you know rather than just one person dictating that okay this is how it needs to be done um and of course it's challenging because it takes more time and more resources but you will be so much more uh you know competitive and better off in the long run that your investment in time and resources and people right now will pay off you know in future that other people won't be able to compete with uh so that's one thing that you know give people the agency to express their ideas the other thing would be to understand that you know everybody is different and you know respect their culture and respect their background and their sentiments because uh i come from a culture where a family uh, you know members death is a big deal even if it is like you know your uncles aunts like some distant relative dying is also a big deal because usually indians kind of grow up in this joint family system where like multiple families live within one big house and so you develop bonds not only with your parents and cousins but like distant relatives and people that you want like regularly meet with uh and so sometimes like you know people would express that hey you know my grandmother is not doing well i would like to take some time off and some organizations look at it as like well it's not your girlfriend or your family member so why do you need like five days can you just not take one or two days off uh and that i feel would you know come across as very insensitive uh so you need to invest in understanding that where people are coming from and what their background is and you know to be respectful towards that uh so that would be the other point and ultimately i feel that you know there's this philosophy that i follow that hire for attitude and train for skills so don't go by what you know college people have gone to or what is their gpa or what is their skin color hire them for the right attitude the one that is in sync with what your company wants to do and then kind of like you know train them from for skills because you know if you sort people by skills and say that only if you know this software or only if you know these uh kind of applications then you are fit to work with the company that's a that's a very uh uh skewed kind of approach to have because yes you would have a lot of technically efficient people but you won't be able to rise much above that like you know people would have that that execution mindset and not the ownership mindset and so that holds back a lot of companies so just hire them for the right attitude like you know they should gel well with your vision your mission and the other people on your team once you have that you know once the attitude is in place they will pick up the skills in no time and you know your investment won't be too much in like training people from scratch uh so yeah i think that those are the three points i would say is that you know it's important that uh you know give people who work with you some agency uh be respectful of their background and culture and hire them for right reasons hire them for their attitude and skills can always be taught I love that. I mean, because we already know studies already show that innovation really revs up when you have diverse voices, and we have to look at the hiring practices. We have to consider, okay, what is the language that is in this this job ad that might sound not as diverse? Do we necessarily have to recruit from this school only? Because we already know certain institutions might be predominantly, um, or might have only one culture, one background that's coming from there. Maybe we need to open up and really look at maybe not just the the university to go to, but let's just look at the skills and the abilities. Or, like you said, let's really make sure that this person fits the values. They have the drive. They mesh with everyone. Then we can bring them on. And now the skills development is. pretty much easy so 
I love that perspective because again, we have to realize that some of our recruiting tactics, some of our hiring tactics, and even how we're engaging our team members isn't effective where we're not getting to the nitty gritty of the individual. We're looking at the surface level stuff versus the depth of the person. And once we get into the depth of the person, regardless of what race background they come from, we start to realize that they're a better fit than looking at, okay, they go to, they go to this school or they have this background or they have this skin color. So I love the takeaways that you gave. And like this conversation was so rich because again, I rarely have opportunities to talk to like another immigrant, especially from a different background or from another country. So I loved being able to talk about somebody that can understand my experience. So thank you so much for being on. This conversation was amazing. Now let's tell the people where they can find you. I know you share like your website and some projects you have coming up. So please let the people know where they can find you, how they can connect to you and how they can tap into those consulting services that you have to offer. Sure. So uh, my company's name is MCF Productions and you can check out the projects that we are doing and the services we offer on mcfproductions.com. You can reach out to me on Instagram under uh, A-L underscore R-A-T-H-O-D, which is my last name. And uh, yeah, if there's anything, you can always email me at alok at ncrproductions.com. And before we end this conversation, I want to say that we are so dedicated to representing diverse voices is that, you know, we, I host a podcast called The Athletist, where we have people who share their journeys of, uh, you know, becoming leaders, be it like in creative spaces or corporate spaces. And uh, we now have like an Arabic and uh, Spanish version of the show coming up where we can exclusively focus on people from like, like leaders from those regions and amplify their achievements so that, you know, we can project that to the world that, you know, it's not only in the US or parts of India or other developed countries or Western cultures is that you have these success stories. Like success stories are all across the world and the more you look for them, the more you will find that, you know, people overcome these odds to achieve their dreams. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's, that's another thing I wanted to add in there just in case if, uh, you know, uh, people wanted to explore that on the website as well. But yeah, that's great. That's amazing. I think that the fact that you're expanding and you're creating this global reach so people can learn from different backgrounds. And now that's beautiful. I mean, again, what you're doing is amazing. Um, It actually motivates and inspires me to do more because again, I think that I, you know, sometimes we fall into just our box of, you know, yes, we want to make, we want to have national reach, but I think even someone that is a migrant that comes from a different background, I want to reach back to my, to other cultures and people from different backgrounds to prepare them if they do come to the U.S. or even have them develop as leaders, even if they're in another country, because leadership is, it's just something that people can, I mean, leadership is worldwide. It's not anything that's just an American thing. We need to have effective engagement, regardless of where we're at. So I think what you're doing is amazing. And I keep doing that. Um, I'll definitely be following a lot of the things that you're doing. And again, I really appreciate this conversation that you had because it's been inspiring, motivating, and I know it's going to really bless a lot of people out there that just need their minds expanded and also people that are from different backgrounds that just want to be heard. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Aisha, for giving me this platform to share my ideas. And again, I'm, uh, I'm uh, really grateful that you are doing this and engaging people into these kind of conversations. Because it's important that we speak about these ideas and uh, educate people and uh, expose them to like how the world works in the larger context. So 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great fun. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. (laughs) (laughs) Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. I want to shout out all my faithful listeners for tuning in every week. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Speaks on all platforms. That's M-S-A-I-S-H-A Speaks. And don't forget to like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on and leave a comment if this podcast has blessed you in any kind of way. I thank you for all your support. Many blessings to you.